All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, we are in. Um, we're going to be looking at First Corinthians eleven this morning, and we're finishing up uh, the series on the red, the red and the blue. And uh, I decided to choose this uh, topic over these last three weeks because really of the season that we are in as a church with the elections coming up. And I know that uh, many get very passionate about uh, what's before us and uh, we kind of uh, lose our faith and think that, uh, you know, it's, it's the person who's in office that matters most. And uh, for us as Christians, that is not true. It's not who isn't matter, who's, who's the president. Regardless of who the president is, Jesus will always be king. Amen? So we can be people of hope and great faith. But uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we began this series. And uh, the first topic that I wanted to talk about was the fact that it's, it's good to be political. It's good to have a voice, have an opinion about the decisions that are before us, but we can't afford to be jerks about it. I don't know if you've ever gone to a city council meeting, but uh, there are some people who claim to know and love Jesus, but they don't come across in a way that uh, you can tell that they're a Christian. And we looked at Titus chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 6, and the, the fact that when it comes to those who lead us, who are in authority over the, uh, us, we need to be respectful. We need to be submissive um, and thankful, appreciative of their of their work and 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 how they lead us. And we need to be prepared for every good work. And just because you might disagree with someone, uh, that doesn't give you a right or authority to come across as not loving. No, we are people who represent Jesus. And uh, God did not create you and I to be a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian. He created us to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to glorify him. And that is our purpose as believers uh, of the gospel. So when it comes to politics, voice your opinion. But don't be a jerk about it. Especially when things don't go your way. Okay? And church... From this day forward, and it's been for a period of time now, a period of years, things are not going our way. You know, we are not the moral majority anymore. But it's not an op- a time for us to lose hope as Christians. It's our opportunity to display the love of Christ in front of the opposition. And to show them that Jesus makes a difference. Make your points, but don't lose your influence. Uh, make a difference by how you live your life for Jesus. And so that was two weeks ago. And then last week we, we talked about um, how to keep our politics from becoming 
an, an idol. And uh, the first point we looked at was the fact that don't avoid politics. Again, be involved in the process. Don't put your head in the sand. But in order for politics not to become an idol, we must be people who are feeding our faith and not our politics. And my question to you last week was, what do you listen to most? Do you listen to the television? Do you, do you listen to the political pundits? And that's how you form your, your beliefs and your opinions. And if that's so, then you're going to come across very abrasive as a believer in Christ. We are not to feed our politics. We are to feed our faith. And how do we feed our faith? Through the word of God. Blessed are those who hear and hearing from the word of God. And so, it's not a time to panic. And yes, we live in a world that is suppressing the truth. And they are doing everything in their ability to suppress the truth. And in knowing that, as people of God, we shouldn't be shocked by the decisions that are made today that totally contradict truth. This is the new normal. And Christianity is to look different from the rest of the world. And so this is an opportunity for us to portray, to declare why we are so different. And I was shocked a week ago when our city council uh, voted to uh, permit um, the casino in coming into to our community. And, you know, for a lot of churches in town, they've been silent on this issue. I don't believe the, the church should be silent in the decision-making process. The church is the salt and the light of the world. And if we don't stand for truth lovingly, then we aren't the salt and the light. And if we lose our saltiness, Jesus says, we are going to be thrown out and trampled by men. And I'm afraid that is what's happening in many churches today. They want to take a neutral position on cultural issues because they're afraid that if they make a point, they're not going to be able to make a difference. And as a result, we have a lot of namby-pansy believers today. I believe when it comes to the casino issue, we need to make, make our point. Uh, we need to stand for what is right. And the reason why I'm standing for what is right is because the casino industry preys upon the most vulnerable. You know, I have experienced firsthand what 
uh, a casino industry can do to a senior adult who's lonely, who's looking for an opportunity to socialize, who can't say no, who who likes the way the casino makes them feel when they walk into that environment. And as a result, she lost everything. She lost the future that she had worked so hard to gain. And and my situation is not an isolated incident. Listen, the casino industry knows that the boomer generation, my generation and older, is 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 of that re- coming into that retirement age, and this is a very lucrative environment audience, and that's why we see casinos popping up all around the country. They're preying on those who can't say no. Uh, when it comes to our senior adult, they praise uh, praise on the impoverished who are hoping that they can get rich quick. And there's only so many winners. And Las Vegas isn't built upon the winners. Las Vegas is built upon the losers. So am I opposed to a casino coming into our community? Yes. Should I? Is this a done deal? No. And I want to give you an opportunity to voice your opinion if you uh, don't agree with a casino coming into our community. There are petitions out in the dining hall this morning. And, you know, I am not a big petition guy. You know, I've had folks in our church who have wanted us, wanted me to lead us in signing all different kinds of petitions. I don't want people coming into our church weekly uh, being encouraged to sign another another petition. But this, I believe this is an important issue because a casino, particularly on China Lake Boulevard, right next to uh, the Navy base, 200 yards away from Emanuel Christian School, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the, the character and culture of this unique community. And I'm not opposed to it just because it's on our front porch. I'm just, I'm opposed to it, period. And as a church, we need to have a voice in that. And so if you agree with me, I want to encourage you to sign the, the petition. There's extras out there. If you want to take one to your office and have people sign, feel free. And just bring those back uh, sometime this week uh, to our office because we're collecting those. And somebody else in the community is uh, heading that up and getting that to the right uh, representatives. But we need to have a voice. And then, but after it's all said and done, if a casino does come to town, we're not going to stand out and picket it and hold up signs and say, you're all going to hell if you go into that casino. No, we're going to continue to love and serve our community. There are going to be more impoverished families uh, in our community. Our neighborhood suppers on Monday night 
are going to grow and we will gladly serve them. Our clothing closet, we serve between 30 and 50 adults every Monday night in our clothing closet. That's going to grow and we are gladly going to serve them. But we are going to be here to represent the person of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 says, First of all then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions. Why? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Unfortunately, personally, I believe our leaders today aren't making the kind of decisions that will lead to a a peaceful and quiet life. But nonetheless, Paul says we need to pray for them. So I want to take a moment and I want to pray uh, particularly for our community leaders today as they continue to decide on a casino in our community. Would you would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I know that this uh, casino is not a done deal and and our government leaders are continuing to uh to discuss and determine uh if it comes to town where is the appropriate location? And even that isn't a done deal. And uh, God, I pray that you would give them wisdom to foresee into the future um, the consequences of this choice. But Lord, where where in our community, in our city, where might it best be located that it would not influence? Lord, the most vulnerable. So give Peggy, give Eddie, Jim, Lori, and Mike um, discernment. And Father, whatever decision might be, help us to be loving. Help us to be respectful. Help us to continue to focus on what's best. Jesus, you said what's best to love God and to love people, including those who are opposed to us, those who might be our enemies. Jesus, sometimes that's so hard to do, but you are our greatest example. Help us to be you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why are we to to love, to minister, to serve our community? In, in spite of the fact that we might disagree with our leaders. And the reason why is because this is Jesus. Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for all. 
And this is how he wants us to live our life. And so as we come together this morning, the big idea of this morning's message is that, folks, we're not here because we're all united against a casino coming to town. Or we're, we're part of a, a particular political party. These are not the things that unify us. The one and only thing that unifies us is the person of Jesus Christ. And there's lots of different opinions on lots of different issues. And we can, we can have those differences. But what unifies us is the person of Jesus Christ. When we come into this room, there are no walls that separate us. Jesus tore down all those walls. Uh, before we get to uh, 1 Corinthians 11, let me just read for you Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is, as a church, we don't look like the world. We're not supposed to look like the world. When you go out and into the world, there's all kinds of divisions. And there's uh, uh, different opinions. And people congregate uh, according to those opinions and, and values. But when we as a church come together, no, we are to be one in Christ. And that brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. Because... Uh, Paul has some strong words to say to um, the church at Corinth. They didn't represent the values of Christ when they came to the Lord's Supper. Uh, There were walls of separation. And this morning, uh, very quickly, I want to read verses 17 through, and we're going to read through verse 27 this morning and uh, look at what Paul is talking about. Paul says this, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worst. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe in part, believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Now, that's an interesting verse right now. He says, but there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. What does he mean by that? Is he encouraging factions? Not necessarily. But when there are factions among you, it's an opportunity for the mature to step up and show leadership and be peacemakers among the faction groups in order to get along, to to come together once again. That wasn't happening. Verse 20, 
When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. What was going on in this early church? I'm not sure how often that they were having the Lord's Supper. They may have just been having the supper on an annual basis at Passover time, like the Lord Jesus instituted it uh, with his disciples uh, uh, that night that Jesus was betrayed. But when they came together, they described it as uh, a love feast. But it wasn't your typical Baptist potluck feast, okay? Uh, No, uh, the culture of that day, there was uh, obviously the rich and the poor. And the rich lived uh, somewhat of a leisure life. And so there was plenty of time to come come to something of this nature early and enjoy themselves. But the the poor, life was a struggle, and they had to to, uh, work long hours. And so they didn't have the time to come early to socialize, nor nor did they have the food to, to bring with them. But when they came together, when the rich came together... They didn't bring a meal for everybody to share in. They just brought a meal for their their family to share. And so here there there were all these uh, well-to-do people coming together in the house church and enjoying their time together. And the poor uh, would be arriving just just a little before uh, observing the Lord's Supper. And they would be kind of on the outside looking in. Okay? They might get a crumb. But, you know, all that was gone. And, uh, and, uh, the, the, uh, the rich, you know, they enjoyed their, their drink. And many were, were drunk. But there was obviously a segregation between the upper class and the lower class. And Jesus broke down all those walls. We have well-to-do people in our church, and we have people who struggle. But when we come together in this place of worship, we are to treat everyone the same. 
But unfortunately, the Corinthian church, they weren't reflecting the gospel. They were looking very much like what the world is on the outside. And church, my exhortation to you this morning is that we need to treat everybody one and the same. There may be people in our church who have different political views than you. There may be people in our church who uh, are looking forward to a casino coming to Ridgecrest. I don't know. But in Christ, we are all brothers and sisters in him. And we are to put on Christ and represent Jesus not only in this house of worship, but in the community as well. And that's that was not happening in this local church. And so we come to the supper this morning. And the supper reminds us that our salvation comes through faith. Our salvation doesn't come through living in the United States of America. As wonderful as this country is, this is not our home. This is not our kingdom. We are citizens of another kingdom. Our allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. He is the one who has set us free. It is his shed blood on Calvary's cross that covered our sin. It was the empty tomb that gives us a hope that this life isn't it. There's more yet to come. Salvation is in Jesus and Jesus alone. It's not in the Republican Party. It's not in the Democratic Party. It's not in any party. It's in Christ. And this supper reminds us of our salvation. And when we come here, we are one in Christ. Because it's all about Jesus. So my question to you this morning is, are you loving everyone, even those who are opposed to your ideas, ideals? Are you loving them or are you avoiding them? Paul says you are not to take the supper in an unworthy manner. Unworthiness in this text, church, is treating people differently. We are to be people who love, just like Jesus loved. And Jesus loved us, Jesus loved you when you were at your absolute worst. You didn't find God. God found you and brought you to himself. So it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to display his love, his character to those who don't necessarily believe what we believe. But Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. The Corinthian church was being hypocritical. There were divisions between the rich and the poor.
Paul is saying, don't live that way. Jesus didn't live that way. And there's somebody that you're being hypocritical towards this morning. I just want to encourage you to go back and repair that relationship. Don't take this supper in an unworthy manner. Let's pray. This is an opportunity for us to prepare our hearts for the supper this morning. We're not going to sing a song this morning. I want us to just pray. I just want us to meditate and ask God to search our hearts. Is there someone in your life that you haven't been Jesus to? This is an opportunity to make those things right. Confess those things to God this morning. I'm going to ask our our elders and deacons if they will prepare themselves as we're about to receive the supper. thank you for this very important object lesson that you gave to us, your church, to remember. Lord, on this Memorial Day weekend, we're mindful of those who have given their all for the freedoms that we enjoy today in this country. each one of them. We pray for their families who continue to make those sacrifices daily. God, may those around them appreciate them, thank them for all that they do. But Jesus, this morning we pause and we remember sacrifice in our lives as well. Bless this time of remembrance. Lord, if there's areas of our life where we've been hypocritical and we've been more like the the walls and the divisions out in the world, God, help us to change and be like Jesus. In Christ's name we pray.